Welcome to the Gym Life Podcast. Today, the marketplace has shifted a lot in terms of the information that um, this next generation has um, been able to consume. So, you know, back when I started, I was 22 years old. There were platforms and where people could actually go to try and get vetted information um, that were essentially already like guaranteed to give you the information that you needed to know that it was true. Um, and those platforms at the time were the, were the magazines. So when somebody wanted to learn about working out or somebody wanted to learn about nutrition or supplementation, if they didn't already have a, um, a background and an education in those areas, there was a place that they could go to get that. In large in part, those were the Weeder publication titles. Fortunately, I was able to work for those organizations at a very young age. And so I kind of saw the evolution of how the consumers were able to get that information. They were able to pick up the magazine and say, okay, what do I need to take? What do I need to do? They were given workouts, they were given meal plans. In large in part, they were given you know information about maybe not something that was on a shelf, um, but the information was there to know what to look for on a shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I saw that transition go into the online, the websites. Um, and that was my generation, you know, kind of on the tail end of Generation X, you know, with the millennials. Um, I don't refer to myself as a millennial, but um, I'm kind of on the gener- Gen X train. And so then it went into this online arena where people could still get information, but it was a little bit more cluttered because now you had forums, you had um, unvetted experts. Anybody can be a bro scientist, I think. And so that was my evolution into the game because I partnered up with my business partner, Dr. Jim Stepani, who was at Muscle and Fitness writing about that information. And realistically, you can't go to school and get a degree in supplements. You just can't. Um, A lot of it comes from the trade journals and the scientific research done on specific ingredients, what works. Um, But then you also have to take into consideration the practical application of it, which means just because a study said something, well, how does it actually live up to what the study supported in a real life setting? How does an athlete or a young kid or somebody actually get the benefits of taking that? And does it really work in a real life setting? And so that's the unique thing that I had the experience of understanding with with um, uh, Dr. Stepani, who's my business partner, is he was the guy who was literally doing the research. Um, he was a former Yale School of Medicine research scientist, award-winning research scientist. And then he became somebody who wrote about the information. He could actually take the information that was studied, put it into a real-life setting with himself as well as the readership, and then see how it worked out. And you get a lot of, you know, scientifically backed information as well as anecdotal evidence, um, which is the real life stuff that supports a hypothesis or something that works. And so now what we've seen is, is it's transitioned from print to a website. In large in part, the website back then where most people could get their information was bodybuilding.com. Mm-hmm. And so for about, you know, 15 years, bodybuilding.com really led the charge and the place to go to get the information and the products that were vetted. So you could trust that when you would go to those places that they're not going to put out information that's wrong or inconsistent. There's liability um, when you're a publisher of content like that. And Jim was one of the guys who was writing the majority of the content on bodybuilding.com as well. So he transitioned as I kind of saw the media transition and he and I were a big part of that. 
But now what we've seen with the explosion of some of the social media platforms, and, and we even moved into the social media too. So that's when we launched in the 2013. Uh, Facebook was primarily the big social media platform where everyone was going. So we really dominated that space too. And so now what's happened is that you've, you've seen this transition of like these social platforms that are really set up for like the influencers. Mm-hmm. And so this new generation you're talking about, you know, we started nine years ago and, you know, I mean, you were in high school nine, yeah. nine years ago. So when you think about that 18 year old kid, you know, who's now just getting their feet wet, where are they going to go to get the information? To your point, they're going to go to TikTok. They're going to yep. go to Instagram. And so what they're running into are paid influencers who are completely ignorant of anything. And as a result of that, what's happened is that the supplement companies, the ones that are popping up now, it's very, I wouldn't say easy to start a supplement company, but it's not hard either. No. You know? Um, and so there's a formula that exists now. If you get enough of these influencers who are going to be incentivized to say, hey, you know, gosh, I really like this product or whatever. There's nothing really educating this new generation of the how and the what. So it really comes down to the consumers because it's very difficult to sit there and change the behavior of a consumer. Yeah. So I would say to those kids looking for things, be curious, ask questions. You wouldn't necessarily do something just because, and I've heard you talk about this, Tommy, about just because a coach tells you to do something doesn't necessarily mean that you should just do it. You should always ask yourself why. Yep. Um, and I would say, especially when it comes down to putting something in your body, we all know the basics of things that do work in sports nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, protein obviously dominates the sports nutrition space. Um, you know, pre-workouts do too. And the, the, the problem is, is protein is pretty basic. You know, I mean, it's yeah. a very easy thing to understand. Um, we come at the category of protein when we actually talk to consumers who need to be educated with these, what I call them aha moments, which are just very simple things that people can take away and easily understand to determine what they need to look for in the consumer marketplace. So for instance, if a kid came up to me and said, Hey, you know, what protein should I take? I would say, well, have you ever taken a protein that perhaps upsets your stomach or causes you problems? And for the most part, a lot of people, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that actually does mess with me. Well, there's a reason why it's because there are certain proteins in the marketplace that have high amounts of lactose in them and ones that don't. And with our protein, we don't use the one called whey protein concentrate. So it's very easy to tell a kid, if you want a good protein powder, turn your label around. And if you see whey protein concentrate, that's going to upset your stomach. There's a a good chance that it could, right? Mm -hmm. So how does a kid try to eliminate all the stuff, right? Yeah. With, with what they're seeing? How does somebody who's uh, leaping into this um, arena navigate? Um, I would say, first things first, anyone who has a, <laughs> a nice physique or, you know, a lot of followers who you follow who's trying to offer you advice, um, just check up. Yeah. See, and, and the checklist should be this. On their Instagram or TikTok or whatever, do they have a code to use at that supplement company? Okay. Now we have athletes too. I'm not saying that every single one's bad, but I would say first step is just to see like, are they being incentivized? Okay. That's step one. Chances are they probably are. So if they say, Hey, use my code, Tommy, to get 10% off this supplement company. Great. Um, That's the first step just to identifying who they are. They are a paid influencer. 
Understand that. Yep. That person is not poised to give you right information and or correct information about, I don't care if it's our brand too. We have paid influencers out there. Check to make sure, are they paid or do they own the company or who, who are they? Who are these people? Because they navigate this industry quite frequently. I mean, we've yeah. dropped a lot of people and, you know, other people from other brands. The, the thing about it is when they come to our brand, it's my job to make sure that these influencers understand why our products and services are much different than our competitors. Sure. So step one is to check to see if they're a paid influencer. Um, step two is in once you find out what brand they're talking about, check that category. Yeah. Protein, for instance, look at every mm. single supplement company for the most part uh, has a protein powder. Step one, check their protein powder of that brand and just do this. Look at their protein powder. Look, go whatever that brand's website is or whatever their social is and look at that label. Just find the label yeah. under the supplement facts panel. I don't have, well, here I have one over here, but here I might have to reach here, Tommy. Shallow plug. Um, but underneath the supplement facts panel, yep. you have what's called ingredients down here. Now, every single company who has a protein powder or any product, they have to have this by uh, law, right? Yeah, by law. They have to put in the ingredients that are in this container, right? Yeah. If you see whey protein concentrate listed, it's not that that's a bad protein. It just means that that company doesn't truly understand the scientific application of sports nutrition. Um, and by that, I mean whey protein concentrate is about 30% cheaper. Mm hmm than whey protein isolate or some of the other types of protein that so you we do use. egg white protein in there too right yeah so we have we have in ours um whey protein isolate which is a very fast digesting protein mm -hmm. so what happens with fast digesting protein is that it spikes insulin levels and what happens when you spike insulin levels it basically turns on the ignition for your for your body to start you know building muscle muscle protein synthesis so it creates like an open door yeah. For a flood of nutrients to get into the muscle to try give, and help. Give them the breakdown of the liver and all the confusing names yeah. and how they get into the party. Yeah. So, so for it, for instance, if you look at like, if, if there's a door here, right, we're going to put an imaginary door and yeah, uh, I'll, we'll put the door over here. Okay. So if there's an imaginary door here and on the other side of this door is the muscle where the party is for muscle, what happens is, is the liver acts as like a bouncer. Okay, the liver determines um, what critical nutrients can actually get in to the blood and then be, you know, because the blood carries all the nutrients into the muscle. Yep. Um, so there are certain things that that turn on muscle protein synthesis and the liver's like, yeah, go on, go right on in, you know. Um, so a lot of people think about, well, EAAs, you know, essential amino acids, you know, when I need to take them, I need to take them, I need to take them. That's true, you do. But the problem is, is that the liver gets to decide what critical amino acids get into the party. The ones that allow a pass, the liver just says, hey, you're on the guest list, right, mm -hmm. are the three branched chain amino acids. So if you have a line of, you know, let's say creatine is in line, mm -hmm. right? Creatine, we all know is good. So if you just take creatine, congratulations. But you need somebody to make sure creatine can, can get into the muscle. Mr. Leucine. You need leucine, <laughs> right? So, so th th there's, there's a thing in, in sports nutrition, which many people don't understand, is that synergies of ingredients matter. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's like anything else. You want to bake a cake? Well, you got to have the right amount of eggs, the right amount of flour, the right amount of milk. It's it, you're you're not going to form the right you know thing, right type of cake without without those ingredients mixed and messed up. If you put ten eggs in there, yeah. it messes up the recipe. So and that's what makes Jim Stepani gold, right? One hundred percent. And there's very few people um, who truly understand that from both a scientific level and then a practical level. You know, there's there's data, there's research that's been done that says creatine does nothing. Mm. I mean, but that's one of the most studied supplements that shows that it actually does things. The difference is, is the one, the, the data and the scientific uh, research out there that says creatine doesn't do much, it's when they just took creatine by itself. And once again, creatine's just standing in line here. Yeah, You have to have something that spikes insulin levels to open the door to allow that creatine to get into the muscle and then actually do its job. And you need things like leucine or dextrose or a shitload of sodium. So for, for a kid, I would say step one is check to see who that influencer is and be like, all right, this person's telling me to go buy this stuff. Let me check that brand's website or what products they have. And the simplest one to go ahead and look at is just look at their protein. And if they use whey protein concentrate, now I'm not saying whey protein concentrate is bad. I'm just saying that there's a high amount of lactose in there, which causes an upset stomach. It's cheaper. There's less percentage of protein in whey protein concentrate than there is in like an isolate. So isolate, you're getting about 90% of that total weight or that mm -hmm. total amount of protein. 90% of that is like, it, it, it's like- What companies are using that? Uh, it's it's going to be hard for me to go ahead and say that because I don't want to single anybody out. I Maybe would, we could just look it up. I would say about 90% of the brands out there use it. So they're cutting corners, save costs. Save costs. Because what happens is, is you know, you have to pay these influencers yeah. to sell your product. So you might as well throw a concentrate in there and save that to sell the influencers. I would make, to, be, to, to give you a very, very hard um, line about the cost savings. So this is our two pound uh, protein. We aren't obviously using, if I were to put concentrate in here instead of isolate, I would make about $4 more per jug. Holy cow. So what these companies do is having $4 more, it's like, oh, we got more money in this, which is fine. I get it. Let's go and spend X amount of dollars to get this influencer to talk about it. Because the end consumer doesn't know any better. Yeah. They don't know. It's like, oh, whey protein, whey protein. to the guy with followers. Yeah, exactly. So I would say if a company, again, I, the only rational reason why I can say companies do this is because to save costs. Sure. But to the end consumer, what happens is, is that you're, again, it's not a bad, it's not like you're going to get, you know, you're going to have shitty results. Yeah. It's just, you're going to have stomach in it. And most people are lactose intolerant. Like last night, I freaking, you know, had a glass of whiskey and I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to eat a whole bunch of cheese. And my stomach killed me this morning, you know, it's because certain amounts of high lactose are going to cause stomach indigestion. So most people, especially with our diets right now, that's what happens. Yeah. Um, so I would say start there. Look to see who that person is who's telling you to go buy that stuff. And then just check the brand. And there's many other steps that you can do to check the brand, but that's the easiest one. Yeah, that's just an easy, do simple better, yeah, check it out. Exactly, exactly. Cool. So let's shift it a little bit to uh, physical training. So obviously I know you, I know your history, but um, you started in training, mm -hmm. became elite level trainer, understood business, got connected with the right people at Muscle and Fitness Magazine. Um, I have an interesting question for you. What, what do you like about the way I train people? Because we, we would train people a little bit differently. 
Like if one hundred percent. If you were to if you were to go into a room and watch Mike train people, um, the workout would look a little bit different than the way I would go in and train people. One hundred. Well, two two things. One that I love is your dedication to your craft. I mean, if you've ever seen Tommy train, he's hands on, um, and he's all about the client or whomever he's training. You and I have a little bit different history in our training styles. And the reason why is because you are so specific on the individual level where I, I just wasn't right. You're thinking specifically about that individual and what they're doing. Cause you're training a lot of high level athletes, yep. right? I didn't, you know, I trained the average Joe. Could I train a high level athlete? Sure. But it also comes with seat time. Mm. It's like anything else. You can be a pilot and say, I'm a pilot. So I'm a trainer, right? That's fine. But you could be a pilot who just got their, you know, their, their certificate and they never flew. Mm. So there's different levels of training. Like your training experience is actually beyond mine in a lot of instances where I always looked at things from a business standpoint. How can I get as many people who are looking for a workout, give them a good one? Yeah. Right. Where I think in your style, what I've seen is that you're saying, how can I take that guy who throws 70 mm -hmm. to an 85 mile an hour, 90 mile an hour guy? Or how can I take this guy who runs, you know, a four, eight forty, get him down to a four five. Yeah. Um, and so everything that you do, it can't be standard across all levels because you're training the individual. And I'm sure as you've trained with groups and stuff too, you guys might do individual sports specific um, circuits or if you're training a large group. So I think yours is, is much more efficient to the individual. Yeah. You couldn't take something that you're putting your guys through and offer it to the masses. Yeah. It would be difficult for them to even understand or keep up with that type of training style. So um, what you do, I think is, is much more intense and focused and difficult because each time that you have somebody come in, you're not just running the standard. Yeah. You know, it's like in, and, and you know this cause right now there's a lot of guys who come in here from the local community and do yeah. things. It's very easy for me to be a, a give a hands off approach aside from technique. Sure. Right. I'm saying do this program and they all run it. And for the vast majority of them, it does work if they stay uh, you know, on the consistent. program and consistent. Um, so I think, I think you have to look at the training styles a little bit differently in terms of like who you are training and what you're training for. And so, like I said, for me, I did work with athletes when I was in college, you know, and that was the extent of my individual, um, you know, training styles, because I would take somebody if I would just work with one athlete or whomever it was, um, and do things, you know, there was a standard of things I would use equipment bands, you know, I'm, I'm a big yeah, I love the bands. advocate of the bands, but that's just, that's just an apparatus. Mm -hmm. That's just some type of, you know, it's no different than using a modality. The modality is only as good as the person using it, mm -hmm. um, who knows how to use it. Right. So, um, I would say that's where you and I differ is that you're much more, um, efficient to the individual. Yeah, that's what I've seen. Yeah, right? I mean, you've got to observe me. Really cool uh, dynamic. Honestly, like, so I don't know if you're going to remember this, but I was sitting with a guy named Dan Harvey who had trained. Uh, he's taken care of Robert De Niro his whole career, and he was he took me out to dinner, and you were with. Now I understand the whole crew that trains in there. <laughs> Most of them, yeah, yeah, and you're having fun. You remember at Nona's? Yeah, I was Nona. I had a few 
old fashions. But, but anyways, yeah. you rolled up and uh, <laughs> and you got introduced, I think, by Todd to Dan. Yeah. And so Dan then introduced myself to you and I would just kind of see you throughout the community. You know, you're coaching teams or, you know, helping kids out yeah. or doing whatever. And then one day I rolled up to this location looking for a facility and like looking for a spot. And Jamie thought I was just like some 15 year old right, kid at Westlake yeah. High School. Yeah. <laughs> so I walk in there, introduce myself to you. And then you were, you were um, right away so open to having me come in and use the facility. And um, where, where does that uh, generosity come from? Uh, probably my parents. Um, you know, I think that being raised in a, you know, like I was raised in a very, uh, humble area, you know, mm -hmm. if, if, if you, if you call that, Where is that? uh, a little town called Yucca Valley, California. It's, it's North of Palm Springs. It's kind of like the town you hit before you go to the Joshua National Monument. Um, you know, I think that, look, there's, there, there's, there's a few, that's the best way to put this. Um, it comes down to the person, I think, you know, they're, they're up, they're upbringing their backgrounds. And, you know, when you extend a lifeline, you know, somebody's either going to cut it or they're going to take it, you know? And so you got to be prepared to kind of have both and cutting it. I mean, is that some people will take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then some people will just take it. Mm -hmm. And I think that there have been certain things in my life in which, uh, were offered to me. And where I took it, I didn't cut it. I didn't think anything for myself in terms of like, how can I get ahead using this person's training facility or whatever it was, right? Um, but what you tend to do is when you when you open yourself up to that, is you it's you attract those like minded people who are like yourself, and you can really find out who who the one who you want around you by opening your doors to them, mm. you know, um, and kind of being vulnerable in a sense. And then knowing how to react if somebody, if somebody is not, um, I shouldn't say appreciative, but somebody who's like, you know, looking at it from, from their point of view of like how this is just, I'm just going to, you know, take this guy for a ride. Sure. And as I told you earlier, when we were sp speaking, that's happened to me, you know, yeah. but those people have paid the price for that. You know, it's like, you know, don't take advantage of the generosity in a way in which you cut that lifeline. Cause yeah. when it's cut, it's cut. It's over. It's over, you know, and I, and you don't come back from that you yeah. know, with me. And so, but what's happened as a result of having that openness to say, dude, just use whatever I have is you attract people like yourselves, you know, mm -hmm. these lifelong people you mentioned are the foxhole guys. Yep. Any one of these guys who come in here, yourself included, I think that we all, can establish a sense of community camaraderie to where we're all like-minded and we'll be forever grateful. And I know that you're going to succeed in many things down the road, just as many of these guys are. And what happens in this, in these four walls is look at what's happened. Yeah. Right. Special. Somebody sitting there saying, Hey, I'm, I'm working on a project. Oh, my buddy, Tommy, Yep. you know? And so it's rare to have that because in life, there's just so much bullshit that many people get in, in their, in their social relationships or even trying to vet people. It's much like the sports nutrition industry, yeah. right? Um, you got to kind of sift through all the bullshit to find the truth. And that's what every single person is after is just truth. 
And I've always prided myself on just being honest and truthful and just myself and unapologetic for it. So if you can attract people like that into your life, it's rewarding. For me, it's rewarding to see somebody in here um, being able to utilize something that, you know, I've built, mm -hmm. but it might be a stepping stone for them to try and, and, and do their thing. Yeah. Or maybe there's some type of collaboration that just makes it even better than what I've built. Um, you know, because I do believe in the individual in terms of like, I don't believe in this, you know, bullshit, like it takes a village. I just, I don't. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that, you know, it's up to the individual to create the village, the community of people yeah. to then spawn something even greater. Yeah. You need a leader. Yeah. And so, but, but, but in, in, in that in that same vein, what you said about leaders, it's about getting leaders together. Yeah. Great things happen when you get a, a, a group of people, especially a group of guys together, yeah. who are all somewhat alpha, totally. you know? And what you really realize is that, you know, people think the alpha male, and that's the other thing too, is this toxic masculinity bullshit. <laughs> you know, a, a, a true alpha and somebody who I want my kids uh, to aspire to be is guys like yourself. You know, somebody who has a direction, who is a man of faith and family and values and is the kindest person you've ever met, but also the same guy who at 3 a.m. gets a phone call, is the first one on your doorstep saying, hey, where we're going. Yep. You know, those are the those are the quality leaders that you want. And so by doing that generosity, um, it is inherent, I think, just because I, I like people, mm -hmm. but it's also a way that I've seen my own path to try and create success and my success i always say this isn't defined by what you have it's about what makes you happy mm -hmm. um it's not material possessions look having money and having things like that it certainly makes life easier right it it, it eliminates certain stresses and conversations that some people have about money and life and affordability but it doesn't alleviate everything it just makes that aspect of your life better right it's like some people might have challenges in their life, like obesity or something like that. Like that's their thing. Yeah. Um, their conversation is all about obesity, right? Yeah, how can I fix it? How can I fix it, right? So it, it's about just eliminating certain things from your life that you can control. You can yeah. control yourself. You and, and honestly, you can control your own success too. You you truly can. And people always say like, what? that that ever ending question, what is the key to success? It's like, Number one is determining what success is. Sure. Okay. You got to define it. You have to define it. Success is not seeing the guy who drives a Bentley and saying he's successful. Yeah. That guy might be the most miserable fuck you've ever, you know, like yeah. witnessing your life. It's, is that guy got a smile on his face? Right. And we know a guy yeah. <laughs> who drives a Bentley, who's got the biggest heart and he's got the biggest smile on his face. Yes. Yeah. But he's found a way to replicate like that success. And I, I think like you could look at success in, in multiple aspects. Like what's your success look like with your family and your relationships right. with your people? What, what does your success look like with your business and relationships with there? And so I think you can take a similar approach though to it. Everything I, I mean, as a guy, I think of attacking things. Mm -hmm. And so if things kind of get sped up on me, I got to attack it in the right direction and find a way to navigate it. And whether it's like, oh, I need I need to make more contact with that person. Okay, well, let's make it a standard that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm making sure I'm in contact with that person. And I'm attacking that relationship. 
um, in a positive direction. But um, where, where I think about going is how can I simplify what I'm doing? And for you, like, think about how complicated from you take that protein, right? And there's 35 ingredients and kids are confused. You can simplify it all the way down to, hey, check out if there's concentrate or right, not. Right. You know what I mean? And so here, for people that don't understand, like, what Mike has done is he's created an environment to, for people to come train. And what has been attracted to this place is people who are successful in their own industries. It's all dudes that are dominating their, what, their craft. And they come together, they train, they work hard, they sweat. They'll be here at 5 a.m. They'll be done at 6.30. They'll go home, take their kids to school, go to work, kill it at work, go pick their kids up from school, and go coach their teams. Right. And right. That's, that, that's about the gist of it. Yeah. That's literally the guy that walks in here. Yeah. And I think that's like the guy that yeah. um, a lot of guys like myself want to emulate. Right. Um, that's like when I, when I look at training people 14 hours a day, um, the one thing that I think about is like, okay, now how do I scale this so that when I am Mike's age, I can take my kid to school, pick right. my kid up and, and I will be able to do that. Right. Right. Um, but that kind of brings me to my next question, which is what advice are you giving your 25 year old self? Mm -hmm. Um, be, a. Hmm. <laughs> That's a, that's a, because like yeah. paint the picture first of where you're at at 25, you're hustling it. You're training as many people as you can yeah. at a 24 hour fitness. Right? Uh, 25. No, I was already at muscle and fitness. You were at muscle yeah, and fitness. I was 21 when I was at 25. Fitness. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you, you grew out of that. Yeah. I graduated, uh, Cal, I graduated, um, at 21. Okay. So you're starting to get some success at 25 uh, or momentum. Let's call it. Uh, it was tough. I mean, <clears throat> Yeah. Look, I mean, nothing happens overnight. Yeah. You know, I, it, I mean, it took me, um, you know, what I would say to myself back then is um, you're on the right path. Just, just try to, in, you know, enjoy the little things a little bit more hmm. um, so that you have better memories from it. You what know? little things? Well, you know, it's it's like, you know, just taking note to kind of, <clears throat> I I react pretty pretty aggressively, like you mentioned, you know, like certain pieces of information, even today, you know, it's yeah. like things come across my desk. And because when you have a lot going on, you don't want to spend time dealing with things that bother you, mm. you know? Um, so whether that's, you know, somebody has an issue and it's not an issue to you, you just kind of dismiss it. And that's kind of the way that I am. Um, it's like, that's your issue to figure out. I don't, cause I don't go to anybody with my problems. Um, I tend to solve my own and I, I consult with myself. Do you struggle to ask for help? Oh yeah. Oh, I, I never ask for help. Yeah. I mean, it's not, Why, though? Yeah, cause I will figure it out. Um, mainly because I, I know what it does to me to have somebody else's burdens kind of put on me. That doesn't necessarily mean that somebody asking me for help. I won't. Um, it's just, I don't like drama. Um, you know, I, I, I run from it like the plague. And so if somebody has an issue, typically most people always are leaning on like mom and dad, especially this generation, because they're not out of the house by 17, 18 years old, you know? Yep. So everything's taking, um, 
take him back to the house and mom and dad will fix it, right? It's a very me too generation. And that's not standard for like, I mean, you are outside the norm, Tommy. I mean, I would say like for somebody your age, you're leaps and bounds mentally. I don't care about where you're at in life. I don't care about what you're doing. I don't care about how much money you're making. It's just your pragmatic, pragmatic approach to taking on things and having uh, the determination and the will to say, you know, I, I'm going to make tomorrow better than it was today. Right. It's very rare because most people, they deal with problems and they, you know, whine and cry about it and they go ask mom or dad or somebody else to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, very few people internalize that and just say, I don't need anybody. Cause in the end it's on you to fix it. Yep. Right. Like I've been sued. I can't even tell you how many times, right. <laughs> I lost count. And one thing I realized from the first time I got sued uh, till even now, it's like all that ever. That's why I just cut to the chase. I'm like, look, okay, you're suing me for what now? What do you want? Yep. Oh, in normal cases, it's money, right? Because a lot of these, you know, freaking lawyers out there, they 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 know that businesses to alleviate the the stress, the time, and it's a time suck, right? I mean, it's it's legal extortion. Might as well just write a check. Might as well just be like, dude, what do you want? Okay, let's. I I know it's about money. What do you want? And usually, oh, I want this. Like, okay, fine screw you. This is what I'm willing to do. And there is a line for me. It's like, okay, this is what I I don't negotiate. This is what I'm willing to do. It's the best and final offer. You say, no, we're going to go to the mat. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that one opportunity. If somebody were to come to me and want to fight me, I'd be like, all right, dude, I'm going to back off. But you cross this line. It's on like, and once that happens, you got to be prepared to either just go, go full force or not. And with problems, most people don't know how to deal with that. With problems, people like to continue to talk about the problem. I'm having an issue here. This is so wrong in my life. And they spend more time oh. identifying the problem than they do about finding the solution. Yeah, just find the solution. Dude, that's 90% of people. But I feel like that's like why, I mean, there's there's two two reasons. And I don't, I don't really spend too much time comparing myself to where others are at or any of that. But what I try to do for myself is... Number one, I, I think a days and threes. And I think it's part of the culture and like fitness, the fitness community, whether you're an athlete or just into the gym, like there's that culture of that 5 a.m. guy or that 5 a.m. woman. Right. And so like if you split it down into threes, you go five to 11 and then you take a little break and you go from 12 to four, take a little break and then go four to nine. I'm probably going to do more in my first day than you're going to do in your day. Right. But then I'm going to get another one, another one, another one. And so it's like, yeah, I've been doing this only for three years, but I look at it like I've been doing it for nine because I'm getting that many repetitions. Right. Seat time. Exactly. Yeah. So for, for you, I know you did the same thing when you, when you started and what you're doing. Um, and where, where does that like, cause I know it comes from my dad. Um, my dad, absolute just animal. Um, he's, you know, quite a few years older than you, you got you and your friends. Um, but he can still train with you guys. Um, but no, I I get that from him where like, he was that guy that was coming home from the gym, taking us to school, coaching our teams. And that's something that like I aspire to be. Right. Um, and so I know that I get that from him, like that work ethic. My brother's the same way. My sister's the same way. And we're attracted to people who crave working. And so when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, um, it was like, I want to do what I love, 
but it's going to require a little bit more discipline, a little bit more creativity to succeed in what I want to do and still emulate that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where does that come from for you? Because you've been able to stay in this, what you love. You know what I mean? You've been able to stay there in that lane. And that's something that really attracts me to you right. is it's really easy to kind of do what you love in the beginning. And then it gets hard and no knock on people doing this, but like it, it's so much easier to say, Hey, Tommy, why don't you go sell insurance? You know, yeah. this, this lifestyle has already been mapped out time and time again. Yeah. It's like, where do, where do I find the person that um, has been able to create that lifestyle? Where do I find that person to emulate? And then I ended up walking in your door. Not saying that I'm. I want a supplement company. No, well, but it, if you did, it's not a big deal. I mean, that, if that, it, I think that, you know, I actually, <clears throat> it was, it was, a, it was a process for me, you know. So my my mom and dad, great people, you know, very hardworking. My mom's been a realtor um, in the area where I'm from for gosh, since I was in third grade. So however long that is, she still is. Yeah, she's she's in her seventies, still working. You know, my my parents were very hardworking. Um, my dad was in uh, you know construction, heavy equipment operator, um, up until he got hurt. You know, in his uh, late fifties, he could no longer do that. He was a he was a pilot um, on the weekends recreationally. He was um he was a tow pilot, so he actually was a guy who'd take the gliders up and everything. Um, so not anything extravagant, <clears throat> you know, and selling real estate up in that area is you know. <laughs> cost cost of living is very different up there than it is down here. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, so my, my, my parents are, were all about my brother and I it was just my brother and I, mm-hmm. and the only thing that really mattered to them was just giving us an opportunity to have a better life than they did. And so my brother, um, and I took that and, and we're very much alike. So my brother has created his own path of success. You know, he does work with me in some of the businesses that are here. Um, so on the website part with, with Jim's website, so he's actually a partner on that side. Um, didn't start it or anything, he kind of came in, he came in as just a help me through a process financially to get through some things. And then um, later on, once the business was always up and running and you know about several years into it, he started his own company um, himself and um, a very successful company. And then has now had time to be able to devote more time to what we're doing here. So for he and I both, I think um, it just comes down to knowing where we came from. And <laughs> we don't have a safety net. Yeah, You know, he and I do not have a safety net. There's no inherent, there's not, nothing in the will that's going to make us, you know, well off. Um, it's, I think he and I grew up in a very, very unique situation, even from where we were at. We grew up on five acres on top of a hill. Um you know, didn't have like the traditional labor. I mean, the directions to my house, it was like, you know, go through the wash and, you know, the third dirt road by the Joshua train, the rock, go there. And then there's a stop sign that says, we'll shoot you if you come up this way. Yeah, that's my, that's my property. So, um, I think just in, but we had a, it, the house we grew up in was very, very humble, but we had a view of, of, of the whole entire Valley. So it'd be akin to like, if, you know, yeah. we're on the West, like here, like, imagine if you live like on the hill above the Y looking yep. down on thousand Super Oaks, cool. right? So, and he and I was always looking and be like, God, you know, we got to get off this hill at some point. Don't want to be stuck here. Even though we had a great childhood and, you know, free, freedom to, you know, I mean, he and I were rolling rocks down. That's, that was our version of fun was rolling big, huge boulders down our hill, you know, yeah. to see which one would, you know, take out which Joshua tree. Um, 
So no regrets there, but I just think that there was an overwhelming determination to say, I, sorry, I, I got to get off this hill. I have to get off this hill and I want to do better. You know, even though that we had a great childhood, we also were insulated from a lot of the things that you know, we didn't know any better. Yeah. And now looking back on it, you know, it's like my parents were so hardworking. Um, and I, if, if I could have a conversation with them when they were my age, I'd have a very different type of conversation because I'm like, it didn't need to be that hard guys. Yeah. You know, there were things in which I see now looking back on my childhood, I'm like, gosh, man, if they would just would have done this, like it, they didn't have to struggle as, as much as they did, but their struggle was only to try and help my brother and I get out of there mm. and have an opportunity to go to college and, and play sports. And, and so just by the determination of, I can't go anywhere else. Like here in this area, the biggest problem is that it's nice. Yeah, It's nice, you know, it's in it's comfortable. Okay. It's comfortable, right? And if you're 25 years old, living with mom and dad, it's, cool. it, it's fine <laughs> because they got a 7,000 square foot house and, you know, and, and, and it, you're not embarrassed to bring girls over there or something like yeah, that, right? Yeah. Where in my case, trust me, I grew up in a two bedroom, one bath, you know, my parents are still there, you know, 1200 square foot house, you know, it, it wasn't, I didn't have an option yeah. to put, that, put it to you that way. And I think a lot of times when you don't have an option, it creates a determination um, where you're like, I don't care. Yeah. There was nothing really for you to go back to. You go to CLU, you run track, play football, and then you're like, all right, I'm all in. Yeah. You, you're yeah. It, you, you, you have to make, the most of your situation. There's a, there's a really good story I heard when I was like four years old. It's from a priest. Um, and, uh, and he says, you know, there's, there was a, um, there were two little boys and he said, uh, they, they were brought into this warehouse and there were two doors and you know, the, uh, the first door, they put the first boy in and in the room, it was toys, just every toy you could possibly think of. You know, every single thing, you name it, it was in there, right? And the other door, uh, they put the second boy into, and there was just a big pile of horse shit, and they shut the doors. They left him in there all day, and they opened the first door, and the little boy's in there crying, and he's angry, and he's upset. Um, and they say, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know, and, and he says, um, I, I, every toy in here, I play with it. It broke and this, and he was just so upset because every toy he played with, he broke and he got bored of this one and that one wasn't working and all these mm. different things. And then they open up the door to the, the other kid who was in there and he, they can't find he, All they see is just, you know, horse manure everywhere. And it's just freaking all over the walls. And he's running around diving in, doing all this different stuff. And they're like, hey, what, what's going on? He's like, what, 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 what? He, and, he, and he didn't want to stop. And they asked him, they said, what, what's going on? He goes, well, with all this horse manure in here, I was trying to find the horse. Mm. You know? So I think your environment and your situation kind of create characteristics yeah. that maybe you can't look back and say, I got them from that person or that person. I mean, there's things in me like from my mom and my dad about the drive, the determination. But that kind of coupled with, seeing a situation saying I wanted and knowing that my parents main goal was just to create a better opportunity and lifestyle for my brother and I, had we not taken advantage of that to do everything we could to get ahead, 
it would have been a slap in the face to them. Sure. You know what I mean? They sacrifice so much, it seems like. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and they still do, even to this day. What kind of coaching would you give them? Because, like, take, uh, take that hardworking person that doesn't know any better. Maybe it's, like, something that you've learned and you've right. acquired the skill of finance or business or right. um, some acumen there. What, um, and it doesn't have to be the exact advice <laughs> you'd give to your parents, but what, what kind of tip are you giving that person? Or, you know, the way I think of it is, <laughs> is, a, co- is a coaching cue. You know what I mean? Sometimes like uh, pitchers will be so confused when, when I'm coaching them and they'll have a million ideas running through their head and you give them one cue um, and it kind of clicks. Right. And then it opens the door to give them another piece right. of advice um, for that hardworking person that is putting in the work, but they're just getting by. Right. What do you tell that person? What do you tell them to look at? Usually there, usually there's, there's a inherent trait, which I talked about, before, which is most people can easily identify the problem. Hmm. Very few people can figure out a solution. Okay. Yeah. And so for that person who is a nine to fiver, right, there's opportunities around you everywhere to try and create whatever issue you're having. If it's health, I don't like, I can't, I'm overweight. I'm over, there's time. There's 24 hours in a day. To fix okay? it. If, you know, let's say you need eight hours sleep, okay? Fine. So now you got 16, 16 hours. hours. Let's say you get eight hours of work if you're a nine-to-fiver. Still okay? got eight hours. You still get eight hours. What are you doing with the other eight hours? You know, are you giving an hour to your health? Fine. That's seven hours to figure out something else, to, to spend time not identifying the problem, we, you, you know the fucking problem. You can look in the mirror and figure You're it like, out. You're like, shit, I can't pay my bills. Stop saying you can't pay them. Figure out a way to change your situation by taking that seven hours or five hours and saying, is there another job opportunity that pays more than this one? The problem is, is people get so, get used to being uncomfortable. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay. If I'm not uncomfortable, I'm like uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Get used to being uncomfortable. Yeah. Being uncomfortable is not necessarily like a bad thing yeah. because it allows you to adapt to the situation to overcome it. Absolutely. It's like if somebody is training and you know this, cause everything goes back to training in, in terms of the analogies, right? You're going to get results if it feels good. Hell no. no. Get used to being uncomfortable. Totally. And that's why I think like so many alphas identify with the gym because right. they're they're That's, they know they're getting better when it's uncomfortable. Right. And it's funny. Like, um, when I was just getting going in the training, I, I was about a year in and I had like a lot of momentum behind me. I was training a lot of people at a full day and a really good friend of mine, Jack Wilson, uh, was running the thousand Oaks high school baseball program. And Jack, we were playing golf and he was like, dude, will you please take the JV team? Will you please take the JV team? And I was like, Jack, I can't, I, I don't have enough time. Like I don't have enough time, right. dude, please do it. So by the 10th hole, he convinced me to do it by the 14th hole there was an email in my inbox with the contract for the JV team. And I remember telling my, uh, telling my family, Hey, I'm going to take the JV team at thousand Oaks. And they're like, you got enough time for that? Like you're going to be able to, you know, you got a lot to juggle. You're already working, you know, 14 hours a day. And I was like, you know what? Like I'll I'll figure it out. And by figuring it out and like taking on too much on my plate allowed me to decipher it. Now, if I had that day two years ago, right now, I feel like I'd have nothing to do. Right. And so I think that's like the big thing is like people should be 
taking on more opportunity than they can than they think they can handle at that moment right. because that's going to force you to grow to become the person you want to be become. And uh, and I feel like that's like your trend throughout your life is like, dude, you're you're at somewhere you work so hard for an opportunity. It probably felt like too much. It felt uncomfortable. You conquer that. The next one comes. But it's like too many people sit around at that part where there was problems and they didn't know how to figure it out and they right. just sit there too long. Right. And then that becomes their standard. And is when you're shifting it, when you're raising your kids now and Tanya, your wife, how, do you guys have conversations about this? Like what the standard is and what you want to raise your kid and how you encourage them to seek opportunity, how you encourage them to challenge themselves. Like, yeah. like is raising your kids kind of like, and I don't mean to make it a disrespectful no. uh, comparison, but is raising your kids kind of like taking care of employees? Like you want to see them go, or is it different? Yeah, it's different because I think that the, the I mean, and people who have kids can only understand true love, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to try and, uh, it, it does change you, you know? Um, so, you know, from an employee and, you know, look, I, I love all these guys and everything like that, but with my kids, it's like, that's, that's a legacy for you. I, so I think that there's a little bit more seriousness and accountability that you have towards your kids. And in a lot of cases, um, and every parent knows this, you know, it, if you don't have regret, you're not a good parent. Mm. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of things that I regret in terms of how I've parented. And I always try and put myself on the outside saying like, okay, what if I'm somebody witnessing what I'm, how I'm parenting, how would that look? Um, and that's why it's good to have two parents because <laughs> one can always give the other perspective. Um, you know, so how we try to do things is, is, is get rid of these things. Honestly, mm. um, you know, I've even found myself and my wife and I are on each other all the time. Like the amount of time that people spend on these things, looking at useless shit, um, probably consumes the amount of time that they would probably to find solutions for whatever problems they have. This ain't doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, this just provides the dopamine response similar to drinking or doing drugs. And so I think that if you look at somebody's day who we just mentioned, they sleep eight hours, they work eight hours, what are they doing with the other eight hours? Um, the other eight hours are probably, uh, and this is how a typical day goes for somebody who bitches a lot, is, you know, they, they wake up and, you know, they're tired, they're waking up and they're already regretting the day because they're not, they're not looking forward to it. So they're like, I got to get my kids to school if they have kids, right? And they go and they drop their kids off. You don't even have to have kids, right? They wake up and they're always like, fuck. I got work. I got to work, right? Okay. That's a rut, right? Yeah, something needs to shift there. You go to work, right? It, it, if you're not, and especially today, if you're not running to work, there's a problem, hmm. you know? There's a problem in your life. Yeah. Not the job, there's a problem in your life. Yeah. And so run to work if you can. Um, and know that like, if, if you if you get up, you gotta work, let's say you gotta be there at like 8 a.m., okay, fine. If you have kids, get them to school, whatever your situation is to get them there. If you don't, then you're just going to work. Um, and they're at work and they just, if you've ever seen the movie Office Space, you kind of know what it, you know, they got a case of the Mondays, yeah. right? And that's their job. They sit, and if they, if that's what they're in, if they're, you know, blue collar, they, you know, in the workforce of the office space, they do that, they get through the day, and then they're off by, you know, say five, and then they go home and, um, you know, have dinner, and then sit on the couch and drink a beer or whatever they're doing and watching TV and, 
they go to bed, you know, by nine or 10 o'clock. That life would give me so much anxiety. But it's a life a lot of people have been used to. Yeah. So I would say, sketch that out on a piece of paper, right? And then what you should do is say, all right, break it up into thirds, like what you just said. You got your morning, yeah. you got your after. Yours is planned out of time that you want to do things that are actually providing you happiness. You're working with athletes, you're doing your craft. Yeah. And then the downtime you're in here, you're, you're chumming it up with certain people, myself, and you're finding things to co- occupy your time in a positive way. So if somebody doesn't have the luxury to set their own schedule and if they're on that nine to five kick, wake up in a better mood. You know, what I always tell people is like, I start the day on my knees, I end on my knees, right? Because I'm a faith-based guy. I don't sit there and beat people over it. But trust me when I tell you, if there's not a higher deity at work here, then you might as well just forget about life in general because there is. And I've witnessed things in my life to prove that fact, number one. Um, but be appreciative for the fact that you actually woke up and you have the opportunity to do something that's going to be different. Don't make today the same day as tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Go to your job and have a little bit better of a, of a, of a day. Be a little bit nicer to somebody. You're probably going to get a response to it. Um, but first thing first, make that damn bed. Yeah. Every always say, day. Yeah. You know, keep things tidy. Um, it, th- those little things will allow you a rewarding experience to where it takes the stress off of coming home and realizing that you get a mess. Excuse me. Um, had some coffee. And, um, so if you take care of those things and you go with a little bit better of an attitude, even if you fucking hate your job, like just try, it's hard. It's not easy to lift a weight, right? It's uncomfortable. So get yourself used to being uncomfortable. I really, I'm faking it if I'm nice, fake it anyway. Yeah. Right. Because what's going to end up happening is you're going to project a response from somebody who's going to make you feel a little bit better about your day. Yeah. And when you go home, okay, fine, go home rather than, you know, popping a beer or after dinner, like go to the gym, go to the gym. I also, it's a great to, place to start. Yeah. Go to the gym. Like I used to go to the gym. I had, I had that nine to five job. I'd be in by, you know, nine. And I didn't leave till five. And then, you know, I didn't have kids at the time. You know, I, 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 didn't always love my job. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the people I worked with, but it wasn't always easy. It wasn't always like, you know, when I was in my early, early mid and late twenties um, before kids, but I'd wake up and I'd, I'd go to work and I'd spend my time there. And then when I got home, I didn't sit watching TV or anything like that. I went to the fucking gym, you know, that's how I even got the opportunity to, to be sitting here with you today was from the gym. Yeah. My, then girlfriend, you know, Tanya, we, we would, that would be our thing. Like we would go to the gym at like, you know, six, finish up by like eight, come home, then have dinner and then chill out until, you know, like 11 and go to bed. But at least I got something in, but during that, that, you know, one to two hours in the gym, I was meeting people, I was talking to people and I was doing something for myself. And then that creates an opportunity. That was my social network. And you're not going to, and, and so if you're at that job that you hate, go to some place like that. And I guarantee you'll probably end up running into somebody who might provide another opportunity for you. And yeah. you just got to walk through it. Yeah. You just got to walk through that door. And that's essentially what happened to me. You know, I was working as a trainer. I was the head JV football coach at Oxnard high school. I didn't um, know that. Yeah. Yeah. After I, so after I graduated, um, immediately I'm like, what am I going to do? Yeah. You yeah. Know? Got to get right in it. Yeah. And I was like, uh, and so my, my old football coach from high school, there's three of them. Uh, they went down, they were, they ran the Oxnard program from, 
I think it was like 2000. Yeah, I think it was like 2000, actually 2000 all the way to 2017. He was there 17 years. Coach Mark Beckham. Um, but yeah, when I graduated, he's like, you need to come down here and coach with me. And again, you know, getting $3,000 annually to do that wasn't much. So I had to work as a trainer and, but I was, I was training, um, like you, I would, I'd get up, uh, five o'clock I'd work out. Mm -hmm. I'd, um, train from like eight to, uh, like 11. And then I'd work out again from like 11 to two. And then I'd drive down to Oxnard. I'd coach from like, you know, three to six and I'd come back and I'd train from like eight to 10. I'd get another two clients in. Um, and that was my day. And, 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 but, but that eight to 10 window, here's the interesting thing about it. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go back and start training again after I just, you know, coached three hours of football, especially driving from here to Oxnard, 30 miles. And, um, I didn't want to do that, but because I did the eight to 11 window or yeah, eight to yeah, eight to 11 window, right to 10, whenever it was at night, that's when I met the guy who offered me the job at muscle and fitness because he, he came in late. Of course he did. So he came in late and then he would see me training. And, you know, I was pretty much the only trainer there at that time. And he and I became friends. And then it just became like a thing. He's like, Hey, you know, what are you doing? And I was also training uh, for the NFL combine. So I was doing the combine stuff and going to the different camps there. So it was busy. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it was not comfortable. It was not easy, you know? And then when I get home, even before uh, the muscle and fitness, you know, after talking to him and training and all that stuff, I get home and I was working on my own business starting at 11 o'clock at night. And I was up until four o'clock in the morning, um, pretty much every night for years. Cause I was writing workout programs and I had a programmer who was in Romania. And so the time change and, you know, it, it was, so it was uncomfortable. It sucked. Um, and those are the things that people now they don't look at and say, oh, 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 what's the key to success? A lot. Um, but I would say it starts with the little things too. Like, again, making your bed, putting your shoes away, doing the dishes, because the time that you're spending doing those things, taking care of the positives in your life, it's like stacking a little bit more weight on that bar. Yep. You can't, you can't learn to squat 400 pounds if you don't like start with the bar and then work your way up. You got to learn the technique first. The technique in life is getting your day in order. Yeah. Getting Get, organized, planning getting your, your yeah, planning, planning it, and it doesn't have to be something you write on a piece of paper. It's yeah. just doing it. It's your it, habits. Yeah. Anyone who says like, "Hey, here, look, do you think this is a good idea?" and it's on paper, I'm like, "Fuck if I know." Like, go do it and tell me it's a good idea. Like somebody who tells me, "Hey, man, I got this idea for a business. Mm -hmm. What do you think about it?" There was a guy in here who who came. And he said, "Hey, I have this business plan. What do you think about it? this?" this he was really excited about it. Yeah. Put it together. I'm like, how long did it take you? He's like, oh, just a couple hours. I'm like, cool. I'm like, do you know what you should do today? He goes, what? Start it. Yeah. Go go to the bank. Yeah. Open up an account. Do it. Yeah. Go to LegalZoom right now and just file for the LLC. Yep. When it becomes real, it becomes real. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you deposit, if you go, you 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 have an idea. Good. Go start the company. Yeah. That's the best business plan. Just do it. Just do it. You know, just do it. Yeah, I think a lot of people like when they're starting businesses or um, or they got a great idea. Um, I I call it uninformed optimism. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. It, everything's great when you don't know the bad sides of it. Right. You know, like you could you could pitch me all the great parts of owning a supplement company. Never tell me the bad parts. 
And I could walk out of here and be like, dude, I got to start a supplement company. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to yeah. go do this. That's, like, yeah, that's very true. And so it sounds think, good on looking in through the glass windows. Yeah, I, I think that happens to people all the time. It's like they get an idea. The grass is green or somewhere else. It's like water the grass you're fucking standing on, dude. Yeah. The time spent looking over and admiring the guy's lawn, yours is dying. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, I tell that to my crew all the time because, you know, we get it. And again, this is what it comes down to when I say there's. There, there's really two types of people that I've identified in terms of, um, and, and not to say one's better than the other, it's just decide who you are. Are you the guy who sits there and, you know, is just going, it's, it's, it, everybody can be a critic, that's easy, but nobody ever erected a statue to one, mm-hmm. right? Um, are you that guy or are you the guy who's just gonna constantly problem solve? Become a professional problem solver. Those are elite people. Right. And, and, and that's, and that's how you have to look at it. It's not, there's never like, and that's the other thing too. I, I have buddies and things like that are just like, oh man, you know, like this is the one opportunity. And it's just like, after this, it's going to be I'm like, it, no, it, it doesn't it, work that it way. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Know? I've been fortunate to throw myself in so many opportunities so early where like, I kind of got that, like that feeling out of the way where it's like, no, 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 no. Like nothing is a hockey stick. Like nothing just goes. And what you're going to find, I think, is that at your age and people your age right now is t- is become as much involved in as many things as you can. And then what that's going to do is that's going to give you something where you're like, this is perspective. Th- what, what perspective, but there's going to be something in the mix of all the things you're involved in when you're like, okay, I got to focus on that. Yeah. And when you do, because your mental preparedness of being able to manage all of that shit and then you focus on one, it that's the hockey stick. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, you know, everybody's story who has a business or something that they're pursuing that they've seen financial success from, mm-hmm. um, it's the same story. They, they were doing all this shit, right? Many different things. They, their days were the same. They could tell, I'm sure Billy and everybody else could tell you, my days were like this, I did this and this and this and this and this. And this. That's the common trait. And then what happens is, is then also understanding how to identify, all right, now's the time to focus on this because I've seen all these things. I've tried all these things. Here's the one. And then you cut all the shit and you're like, boom, let's go. But you got to go at it really hard. So for example, I mentioned I was working at Muscle and Fitness. I was helping running the Mr. Olympia. Um, <laughs> you know, I was uh, trying to build my own website finally did that, you know, just all these different things that I was involved in. I had a sports, I had a supplement company or excuse me, a, 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 a supplement store called subspace on subspace.com. So I was had a website called subspace. I was running, I was working at muscle and fitness. So I was helping run Mr. Olympia. I was still building my website back then, which was uh, at home personal trainer, which then manifested into a muscle and fitness license. And I was still doing, you know, finding time for my, my then girlfriend. Um, and there came a point where I remember I was trying really hard and I was building Jim's website, jimstepani.com. So I remember I was working with my business partner, you know, James card. And I'm like, look, you know, the, the stuff at the magazine is fading. Um, you know, people were getting fired. Jim and I were the only ones left out in California. And again, it was uncomfortable. My, I was told that I was going to get fired or have to be moved out to New York. 
right? But I positioned myself to where that didn't happen, fortunately. Um, so I was really, I'm like, we got to make this website, the workout trainer website, which is awesome. Right? I said, we have to make this work. At the same time, I needed, you know, my uh, business partner. I'm like, look, Jimmy, I'm like, you got to come out here. Like, you got to come out here. And he was already here for a little bit. And then he left. I'm like, this is this is all you're focusing on right now. You got to come out here and and help me really ram this through the stratosphere here. And anyway, so he and I just had a little bit of a disagreement in terms of time spent. And I'm like, well, I got gymsupply.com too. And then Jim over here is just like, hey, dude, like whatever you want to do. And I, sh I cut everything. And I'm like, I'm not focused on this. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. And I'll be honest with you, there was a little bit of a panic from my business partner at the time, who's still my best friend today. And now sure. we work together. But I remember he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, dude, I'm like, because we were, we were selling advertising to supplement companies. We were mm -hmm. doing things. So there, were, there was money coming in. Yeah, and you, you were like, I got to zero in. I'm like, I'm like, but dude, if we can't scale this and I need your time, I'm like, then I'm going to drop it. And then you can focus on it because this, this requires, you know, two individuals to do the work, but I'm not going to sit here and, you know, beg. So I'm just going to be like, fuck, I got somebody over here who I know what I can do with him. Mm -hmm. So that's when Jim and I started our shit. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm yeah. like, I, and that's why the trainer is where it's at. Cause it got left on a stump. And, um, but it can be opened at any point. No, it can be. And I know I can come back to that. Um, which eventually, because like the we, thing is you built the content. That's the hardest thing to build. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, you got 15 years of, of workouts and content there. It just needs to be kind of be, you know, tweaked updated. a little bit. Yeah. Update a little bit. Um, but that's what happened. So, but what happened with Jim is that that's the other thing too, is that if you're looking to do something, make sure if you involve people, they're all in. Yeah. Like as committed as you and you're, it's very hard to find people like that. My dad gave me really good advice when he was like, you know, he was, he was a big proponent for me being in business for myself. And he's like something. And when I first, the first LLC, I started, it started with a partner and he sat both of the partners down and the, the other partner was older. He was in his forties and I was in my early twenties and he looked at me, he looked at both of us and he said, Hey, just something you got to know about business partnerships. They always end. So just know that this is going to end. And like, if you're really clear on how you want this to end and put that in writing on how you want it to end, it's going to be a much easier relationship because you're never going to be confused on it. You know that there's an end coming to this. Yeah. And I think that's like a, a delusion that people fall under is like businesses end. Oh yeah. And so where, where do you see after kind of looking at your past 10 years of going up like that, where do you see your next 10 years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Like, what are you doing in 10 years? Um, it's going to be hard for me to say that now, um, uh, on camera, like I know where I want to be, you know, I know what I will be doing, um, for sure. Um, it's just, it involves me. No, nah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you know, uh, to say it now, I don't think it would be fair to anybody else who possibly could be listening. Sure. Um, you know, just, so you have, let's just say this, you have big visions for yourself in 10 years. I know what I want to be doing. You know, okay. I, I, and, and, and when I say that, I know what I want to be doing with my time. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I don't, Michael's going to be 20. 
Uh, yeah, shit. Don't so, say that. Yeah, nah. so Michael's going to be yeah. 21. Right, yeah. Oh, so you're taking yeah. Michael to Vegas in 10 years. <laughs> and Tanya's like, Possibly. What, what the hell are you right. guys doing? Yeah. No, I mean, I think that, look, you know, I'm very blessed in the sense that, you know, um, you know, the situation with um, this place and this community uh, is what it is. And, but at the same time, it's like, that's, that's what drives me. It's like, I've always dreamt of, you know, I didn't have. Um, you didn't have that Christmas party? I, yes, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Tommy's talking about we had a pretty pretty big bash this weekend. Um, you know, I had I had a great football experience through high school, mm -hmm. um, which was very rare. It was a very it was a very it was like the tip of the curve, I think, of what everybody imagines like great high school experiences to be. Mine cannot be duplicated um, from every level, and it was a very very small window. My four years are probably the best four years. Of I know at that high school at ever. that high school ever yeah you know, we want to see have championship there are things and that's when I talk about miracles um, things that happened during my four years there that I think really set the tone for me mm -hmm. um, so when you want to say like kind of what molded you that was it um, which is the reason why like my football coach uh, Mark Coach Mark Beckham and stuff like we still keep in contact like, this is just such a major uh, part in my life um, about you want know, to talk about achieving things and that set the tone i think for how i am um with relation to having goals and you know visions and knowing how to achieve things things that are just immeasurable by the sense of like i will never be able to reach that but you know if we do these things you will and that's what happened during my time uh career during during high school football was we we did things i it, it, i'll never forget that will last me a lifetime. So, um, but in the next 10 years, uh, to kind of get back to that a little bit is that I know exactly where I want to be doing and what I want to be doing with my time. And uh, you see a little bit of that, um, with some of these kids here. Um, I want to get back to that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's things that I think, I think you love coaching, right? I love coaching. I love You're a great coach. Yeah, I love coaching. I love working with the youth. I love creating opportunities for, uh, you know, young kids to be inspired in in a good way. I think I think if there's anything to give back, um, it's trying to trying to. Many people didn't have they they don't have the experience I did mm -hmm. in terms of having somebody who, from a coaching standpoint, was purely about making you a better man. Yeah. Um, what you did with that is up to you, mm -hmm. but at least the institutions of that progression through like, Hey, you know, achievement and failure and all the things that you give a kid, especially that age challenges, it's, you know, are they going to be able to achieve it or not? And through that achievement, it, there, there's so much more reward than just the outcome. It's like yeah. that process. And, you know, Kobe Bryant talks about too, it's just like, it's, it's the journey, man. Yeah. It's a journey, you know? Um, and it really is. And I think that, look, if somebody really wants to change their shit around, honestly, like I have it up there on the wall, you know it. My whole thing is do the right thing. Yep. Okay. And as my son will tell you, what does that mean? If you want to change your life, I don't give a shit what you're doing. Okay. 
Start by taking care of the little things. So what I mean by that, wake up in the morning, make your bed, Mm -hmm. make sure the dishes are clean, vacuum your house. You're walking down the street, you see a piece of trash, stop, pick it up, throw it away. Perfect example is my son and I were driving two days ago, driving down, actually it was Friday, last Friday, driving down my street um, uh, in our neighborhood. And there's, you know, one of those bags from like a, a box, you know, like the, the yep. you know, the ones that are all air filled. Stop, middle of the street. I'm like, hey, do you go out and get that? He goes, why? It's not ours. I say, it doesn't matter. It's our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know? Take some pride in it. If you do that, I swear to God, I swear to you, I swear to you, things in your life, and you make it a habit where it, it's like a thing. Mm-hmm. My dad does the same sort like of you thing can, to me. Yeah, you can't like... And what you do to make yourself do that is pick something you want, yeah. right? I want to be a millionaire. I want a nice house. I, yeah. want, I want a job. I want to be happy. And right before you identify, or as soon as you identify like this, you're like. That's the goalpost. Yeah, you're like, if I don't pick that up, I'm not achieving this. And you'll be like, fuck, okay. Yeah. And you know what you'll do? You'll be like, that was easy, right? And then the next thing, and everything after that, wop, wiping down the counter after you use it, you know, and. People look at me around here like, Mike, you're OCD. I'm like, no, dude, I'm practicing. I have a standard. I'm practicing. I, you know, I used to clean all my floors around here. And they're like, why is the owner of the company cleaning the floors? I'm like, because it had to be done. Why are you doing it? That's the fucking problem. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're asking, why are you, you're not above anything. Yep. You're not practicing. That's like saying, oh, well, you squatted 400 pounds. So I guess you never have to squat again. <laughs> you will get weaker, guys, mentally. Physically, if you don't practice, you're never you're you you stop growing. Let me tell you something, Tommy. I mean, you 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 train, right? What if somebody, hey man, today's the day. You pitch ninety eight. Congratulations, you get a gold star. Hey, does that mean you're going to pitch ninety eight from now until forever? No, no, absolutely not. I pitched ninety eight, dude. I'm good. I can pitch ninety eight. Right down, strike. Yep. No balls here, right? Good. Are you going to stop? Are you going to stop training? No, because life, you need to continue to do things to keep where you're at and also progress forward, right? There's at 98, if he still does the same thing that got him to 98, he's going to go backwards. He's got to do more to stay there. to stay there. Now, at some point, look, there's diminishing returns, but yeah, at some point he's going to get older. His yeah. arm's going to give out, right? You know, Nolan Ryan is the only guy who I know who got better the older At he got, 45. right? You know, yeah. But but the point I am trying to make is is that why would you stop yourself from doing the small things? Like, okay, you're a company owner. If you're above cleaning the floors, if you see it, and nobody else is doing it, and you have that opportunity, take that. That is a gem. That is like something that is such a rare opportunity. And even better, if somebody witnesses you doing it, mm-hmm. what the hell do you think that says to the employees? That, I mean, tell me right now, anyone who ever listens to this, if you go into work and your boss, you see him taking out the trash and wiping off the counter, he's going to be like, that motherfucker's a cool dude. Yep. It makes you like him a little bit more because he's not above it. Totally. You know, that creates the culture that you want. It's funny. Every time you leave the gym, and it's something that, like, 
I look up to and I try to, I, I wish there was a picture up there for me to be able to like emulate it. But every time you leave the gym, the gym looks the best. Yeah, it should. Even if it wasn't my own, it should, it should. People are always watching, dude. People are always watching. They watch more than they listen. Yeah. And character is defined by what you do when nobody's looking. Totally. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? That's who you really are. Put up a camera and, and that's how you have to look at yourself. And again, I mentioned with the kid thing, it's like, we all fall down. You're going to fall down. If you don't have regret as a parent, you're not a good parent. Sometimes I'm like, oh, dude, if I had a video of like how I reacted to my kid, mm. would I be proud? Mm. Was that my true character? Probably not. Yeah, but you're a human. You got to be okay with that too. Yep. Right? So the next time you see your kid, love them a little bit more. Yeah. You know, change things up. But that's the learning curve, right? Mm -hmm. It's like it's like you might think you have great technique on squat that felt great. Film it. Yeah. Oh, shit. My <laughs> hip dipped. <laughs> right. Yeah. Film it. Yeah. Right? So from an outsider's Been perspective there. looking in, you know, it is good to self-reflect too. It's good, man. So, I think we're good there. We're good. Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. Thanks, man. Good. That was it, awesome. Well, hey, man. Pleasure, as yeah. always. No, Mike, thank you so much for uh, for doing this, first of all. But also, thank you for being the person that you are. Yeah, I try to be good, dude. Oh.